shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. We have Ashley. My last name. Has anyone <laughs> ever said Ashley? No. <laughs> but I don't like being called Ash. My brothers would call me Ash. And so I don't really like being called no. Ash. Ash. <laughs> Ash. You know what? That was my grandfather's nickname. That's what everyone called him. Ash. As yeah. a man. Last name. Okay. Song, my dear. I was thinking something by MIA. She's like my fave. Maybe like pull up the people. They're all like dancey, but also very like political and like, you know. MIA. Yeah. Like Miami. She, okay. Yeah. Like that song, Paper Planes. That's like her. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Do you know what that stands for? I think it's like her. I know her first name is like Matangi. I don't know if it's just her name initials. Carbohydrate. I'd have to say like a nice fresh bagel. Nice. What kind? What flavor? Rosenfeld's. I always get an onion bagel toasted with their dairy-free urban chive cream cheese. I'm a bagel whore. Okay. Cheese. I'm vegan, so I don't eat like regular cheese anymore but I do like the cheese substitutes as a brand chow c-h-a-o and they make a really good just like creamy kind of cheese last night I made like a quesadilla with it so how long have you been vegan I think it's like six or seven years you like the cheese before then yeah but it definitely upset my stomach Mm -hmm. I had issues in the the bathroom department before (laughs) I went vegan (laughs) what do you miss most I do cheat, I guess, in the summer. My dad always does a lobster bake for Father's mm-hmm. Day, and seafood is my absolute favorite food. So every Father's Day, I partake in the lobster bake, and then I usually have a couple more seafood meals on Nantucket with my boyfriend, because you can't be on an island in Massachusetts and not eat seafood a couple times. <laughs> yeah, Maine lobster, New England lobster is like my favorite food for sure. Yeah. And there's like no substitute, right? It's like there's substitutes for like the cheese or like the meat or, you know, those different things. It's like, I don't crave those things because I can get an adequate substitute and all those cravings, but there's nothing that lobster, there's no substitute. (laughs) Is it mostly for like ethical reasons or mostly for health reasons? Yeah, mostly ethical. I stopped eating red meat when I was like 15. I saw like one of those PETA videos about pigs and I've always loved pigs. And then when I watched some more Mm -hmm. movies and read more about it and just really let myself feel, you know, the truth of how I feel about those things, it was like, okay, like I can't partake in this anymore. And, you know, you're like, well, what if somebody raises chickens and eats their eggs? I'm like, it's not for me to decide what's good and what's not good like obviously that's better than like the industrialized factory farming like that definitely needs to end and I think everybody can agree on that regardless of you know your stance on eating food like that yeah I just I don't want to watch any of the stuff ignorance is bliss you can judge me I don't judge anybody I ate meat for 28 years of my life like (laughs) (laughs) condiment I am anxious attacher so I love all the sauces I would maybe say like sweet and sour sauce from McDonald's. That was my first job. I worked there for five years. And even though I'm vegan, if I have fries, I'm like, let's go to McDonald's and get some sweet and sour because it's just the best. Okay. So you weren't like totally grossed out by working there. Like you can still eat it. It is pretty gross, but yeah, it comes in like little cups, right? Like nobody's really touching that sauce. So I still feel like it's okay. How long did you work there? Five years. Wow. What was your worst experience? 
I mean, there was a lot of times, but one time an old guy threw like a fork at me because <laughs> he didn't like my answer to something. So he threw his fork at me and I was like, right. well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did they kick him out? I don't think so. Cause like every morning there would just be like five to 10 old men that would just sit in the lobby keep refilling their coffee and that was just just the the way the world yeah okay so how did you find out that you were an adult child well from this podcast I lost my mom in June of 2022 and that kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral around like my dad's and my dad's side of like the family they got divorced when I was two like he wasn't there for me at all And so where I had processed my mom because she was an alcoholic, that really brought into the forefront how like, I don't really have a family that I can like count on. And even though I kind of knew that all along, it was just a slap in the face that this man wasn't there for me because I didn't choose her to be my mom. He did. And so I was looking for podcasts for complex PTSD. That's what I was like searching for. And I found a few and everyone annoyed me. (laughs) And then I found your podcast and I actually really resonated with both the stories that you would tell and then the interviews that you would do with people. I loved that it was both, right? Like it was like, here's how to work on this issue, but also it's okay to be where you are. We're all starting somewhere and it's hard. There's really no like better. We're always going to be getting better. Where I feel like some of the other podcasts I'd listen to would be like, well, when I was doing that stuff and now I'm not like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. lucky you, lucky you. (laughs) Can we touch upon your mom's death some? Yeah, definitely. Was it expected a surprise? Well, I guess it was like expected in the way of she's been an alcoholic my entire life. And that's just the trajectory. She had been dealing with a lot of like bruising all over her her body. And she like went to the doctor, but then would get annoyed that she had to wait there and would leave the doctor. It wasn't from falling? No. And they told her it was like issues with her blood, like clotting because of her liver disease. And they told her to be careful because if she did hurt herself, it could be really bad. And then on Memorial Day, she ended up hitting her head and her partner found her in bed the next morning, like bleeding from her mouth and nose. She was life flighted to the hospital. She was in the hospital for five days, I think, before her body just gave out because her body was already so sick. It couldn't like recoup after that. And also like traumatic brain injury. She wasn't ever going to be the same, even if she did, you know, kind of wake up. But as her oldest child, I had to make all of the decisions and sign all of the paperwork because even though she had been with my, guess my stepdad, they have a daughter together. So like he's been around since I was 16, 14 or 16, something like that for a long time. Like, actually, I think I knew him since I was like 10, but they never got remarried. So I had to be the one to like make those final decisions. And he had a really hard time accepting the fact that she was gone when I got there on that Friday he was still asking the doctors like what can we do to help her and I'm like Mike we have to let her go she was yellow we have to go what was her drinking like at that point like was she an around-the-clock drinker yeah she hadn't worked for years he was financially supporting her was he an alcoholic yeah he was actually in prison for two years he had gotten like five DUIs this was back when I was like 16 so like almost 20 years ago But so he doesn't have a license or anything still to this day. He's not allowed to have one. 
but he was like financially supporting her. So she would stay home and start drinking probably around noonish, I'd say. But she would always tell me, you know, it's just beer, it's just beer. But I knew, you know, I had as a as a teacher, I had gone in her drawer and stolen her vodka and stuff. Like as much as she would lie about it, I knew the real truth. And well, it doesn't really matter what it is, anyways. You know, right, right. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think in her mind, having the hard stuff was more intense and more shameful and she didn't want to admit it but we had actually been working on a relationship because she actually wanted to have a relationship with me she would call me all the time and once I set the boundary of like I will not speak to you if you're drunk she would call me during the day when she was drunk and I would tell her like I can tell when you're drunk even if you say you're not I know when you are So it's going to be my call, not your call, right? Like if I answer the phone and I can tell you're drunk, I'm going to tell you I can't talk right now. Yeah. And you can tell in like two seconds. Yeah. (laughs) And so we had been talking quite a bit. We had spent time together, just us. And she started telling me a little bit more about like her childhood and her experience with like my dad. And so it was sad that as much as I think I was trying to like help her find her way to recovery it just did she ever go to rehab or go to AA ever my sister was taken away the youngest one like the one with her 14 year old yeah so when my sister was I think 15 or 16 she was taken by the state into foster care for I think almost a year and so during that time she had to do those things but there were times like she had to redo things because she didn't pass like the tests and stuff that they would give her and she had been drinking since she was like a child like 14 13 something like that she grew up really poor she alluded to being abused by her brother in like a sexual way and like I think her father in like a physical abusive way they moved she grew up in Milwaukee but they moved when she was 11 out here and left him there so I think it was like an escaped move for her mom and siblings were you just waiting to get that call like was it no you said that you had been waiting I don't know I still think there's got to be emotions there yeah I was hoping that she was like gonna get the medical help that she needed but it was her own choice to get drunk enough to hit her head and then die basically which is tough because it's like a prolonged suicide right like this is yeah That's how I feel about my mom. Yeah. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because, you know, I don't have a mom now. It is. Right. So when did you find out that she was an alcoholic? I mean, maybe when I was like super, super young, I didn't know. But my dad and stepmother were fighting for custody of me for like most of my childhood until they got custody of me finally when I was nine. So they would tell me like, you know, your mom drinks too much and you know they would kind of like ask me like what we would do and then you know they would kind of take that back to the court but she would do things like lock me in my room with a chair so she could do whatever she was doing or like leave me at random friends houses where I didn't know where the fuck I was (laughs) I remember like laying in like kids beds with them just like waiting for my mom to come pick me up it would be like one or two in the morning until I like finally passed out from just being so tired and I was the same as you were like, I wanted to sleep in my mom's bed. I have a memory of, we were living with her mom at the time and she worked at a bar and I would stay up until, you know, one thirty in the morning because that's when she would Got be home. home from the bar. The bar would close and she should be home by then. And I remember one time I was like crying because she wasn't home yet. And my grandmother came out and like made me come sleep in her bed. But then I was like in this twin bed <laughs> with my grandmother, like on like the side, like this is worse grandmother live with you guys 
yeah, we lived with her for a few years. We lived with my aunt for a few years. She couldn't really, you know, she wasn't stable enough to have her own place for a lot of the time. I remember when I was eight, she had given birth to my little brother a few months prior. And it was like a morning and I couldn't get her to wake up in bed and he was crying. So I figured out how to make like a bottle of formula and feed him <laughs> at like eight years old. And then he like spit up on me. And then I was like trying to find like a new clean shirt to wear, but there were like, wasn't any clean clothes. So I ended up finding this like weird pink shirt that had like holes all in it, like an eighties kind of like thing. And so I'm wearing this like holy shirt trying to like take care of my little brother. But then my dad had custody of me and I didn't have to deal with that so much anymore. Did you want your dad to take custody of you? I think I did and I didn't, right? Like I had that fear of not being with her because then I couldn't take care of her or my brother. But also I was safe with my dad there. You know, I had the, the physical safeness and we did a lot of stuff, but there was no like emotional support. But could your mom emotionally support you? She did love me unconditionally. Like once I finally broke with my dad and my stepmother at 15, because I was like sick of what they, how that was going. I lived with my aunt for, I don't know, nine months until she kicked me out. And then I went to live with my mom again at 16, but she was still drinking heavily. And, but I think it was almost like meant to be because my sister was a baby and her dad was put in jail. And so I almost needed to be there to help take care of my brother and sister when she couldn't do it. So then who was your brother's dad? So we all had different dads. His father was a married man that she worked for at a bar. So he never really knew him. Like they would take him out randomly once when he was like 10 or something. And then not again for like a long time. It was very odd. And then my stepmother became really good friends with his wife in hating my mom. Mm. So they would give each other info and stuff like that yeah it's all kind of a mess yeah that's a lot girl you went through a lot that's a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot like get your uh pen and paper ready (laughs) because it's a lot to explain yeah no I mean my heart breaks for you I mean that's a lot to go through that's a lot yeah and that's you know why I'm here still avoiding crazy playing my animal crossing and <laughs> staying in my house all day even though I could be out there doing going on walks and stuff but it just feels safer to be in my house alone. <laughs> Were you ever put in therapy like as a kid at all? Yeah so when I did have that break with my dad and stepmom my aunt agreed to take me in but only if I was put in therapy. So I went to therapy for, I don't know, the eight or nine months that I lived with her when I was like 15, 16. But then when I went to live with my mom, I didn't do that anymore. I did put myself back in therapy in my early 20s. I was living with my best friends at the time. And I was like, I need to talk about, you know, and in my head, it was my mom, right? Like mm-hmm. I had to sort out the stuff with like my alcoholic mom. Cause that was the the problem. And that was what my dad and my stepmother always made the villain was my mom and her drinking. And then by association, like me, like I was already bad because I was her daughter. So I did that for maybe a year and a half, but I was doing pretty good at that time. I was like in school, I had a boyfriend and I had really supportive like friends that I was living with. So 
my therapist, even though I made her cry, was like, well, you seem like you're doing pretty good. Like, I don't know if you need to like still do therapy. I was on like selects at the time, which I think helped, but mm-hmm. I tried going on it again last year and it just didn't seem to do much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also didn't give it like super long, but I also just don't really love taking medicine if I don't like have to. I also came off of birth control about five years ago when my like long-term relationship ended because I was like, well, I've been on this since I was like 16. It would be cool to see like what my body does without like medicine making me have my period at a certain time. (laughs) So were you acting out at all? Like what were you like as a teenager? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So I was like a really, really good kid. I had like straight A's. I would take the blame for everything. My parents' solution to making us confess was having us stand in the corner until one of us confessed, and I would always confess because I was the scapegoat, and at least if I was grounded- Confess to what? Like what was- what were the issues? Like whatever my brother did, like, I don't know, broke something or mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even know, right? Like whatever it would be that we got in trouble for. And it was always something he did, but I was like a chubby kid. I was never going to outstand my little brother in the corner. <laughs> and it was easier for me to just be like, yep, I did it. Cause I was already the bad kid, even though I What's never did anything kid? wrong. you know did everything I was ever told it didn't matter like there was going to be something I did wrong I remember one time I was at my friend's house and we were riding bikes and she was like no you don't have to wear a helmet and I was like no I I have to because like my parents will get mad guess who happened to be driving by to go to the grocery store and saw me without my helmet on and I got in trouble for that so it's like I have this thing where like I'm constantly like well what if this person put a camera here so they can watch me and like (laughs) see if I'm really doing the right thing or I have like this thing of like always feeling watched Mm -hmm. when do you feel like you started to see like the anxious attachment show up in your own relationships yeah I guess I always use like relationships as like a determiner of like well I can't be that bad because I have a boyfriend do you start dating at a younger age or in high school or no after high school, I was a bigger kid, so nobody in high school wanted anything to do with me. Once I was like a teenager or like living on my own and could use like the internet and like, okay, Cupid <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, I would find partners, but I always had that like feeling that they're going to leave me and I would go on his computer and find his password so I could log into his accounts and stuff. And even now my boyfriend, like still, I'll be like, just looking through his phone and he doesn't care because he doesn't have anything to hide and he's like well if it makes you feel better then like go ahead mm-hmm. I'm like okay but I know that that's not like healthy healthy so I try not to but I can't help but have those thoughts sometimes and it does help me you know calm down if I'm like okay there's nothing and because my ex like there always would be something when I would look when was the realization that you were suffering from complex PTSD I think, well, when I went as in my like early twenties, that was like my, I don't know if it was an official diagnosis, but that's what she said that it sounded like I had was like PTSD. And then I think the more I kind of like 
did school. I went to school for like education and then psychology. You had to have like a second major. So I had, had like psychology as my second major. And so like I did kind of like learn about those things. I actually worked as like a counselor in a residential program mm. in my mid-20s. And so for I think for addiction? For adolescents with like mental health and addiction or like developmental disabilities and stuff like that. And we would use IMR, illness management, management and recovery. So I think I definitely saw the ways that I struggled, but I think I was just so good at like distracting and detaching. And I felt so much that I was just bad mm. and that I had to like perform to make people like me. Like people were never going to like me if I didn't make them like me. Mm. Um, like I have a lot of friends and stuff. My therapist said to me, she's like, well, why do you feel like you have to be happy when you hang out your, with your friends? And I'm like, well, no one's going to want to be around me if I'm not like happy. Cause it was like, after my mom passed, I was like, well, I don't really want to hang out with anybody. Cause I don't want to have to pretend to be happy. And it's just like, well, why do you have to pretend when your friends want to hang out with you, even if you're sad? And I was like, whoa, I've never considered that. <laughs> mm. So was the ending of that relationship particularly like painful and traumatic for you? Was that like a big deal? This last relationship? Yeah, we were together for like eight years on and off, but I had moved to like Oregon during that time and stuff. So we had like an open relationship and we, we still had that open relationship when I moved back and we were living together, Mm. but he wasn't able to like be honest about like who he was seeing and what he was doing with them. And so that led me to be like more anxious checking his phone because he wasn't telling me the truth and he had like a health scare. And so we stayed together because of that. But eventually it was just like, you're not being honest with me. Like I can't be in a relationship with somebody who's going to lie to me. And that was like from my own perspective, but now looking at it, I'm like, well, I did a lot of like shitty things too. There was a reason why he felt like he couldn't tell me the truth. And I had like terribly, terrible, terrible, like reactions to stuff sometimes like I would get so mad that I would bang my head against the wall and stuff Mm. like that intense reactions to things and self-harm tendencies so yeah like I am not at all (laughs) I'm also at fault for the way that relationship went I know that you're working so much on you share so much about the relationship that you have with your dad now what are you working on now what is is it the the wounds that you carry from just the damage that he done? Or what do you feel like you're really focusing on healing right now? I think my focus is on being honest mm. with myself and then in turn with other people. Really realizing that I don't have a relationship with him as much as I see him on the holidays and like we spend the, this time together. But it, it was only in November of last year that I was able to say like it hurt me that you weren't there for me when my mom died Mm. and like it's fucked up that I would have to say that in the first place but yeah it's just realizing that he is so passive and always has been to my stepmother that like we can't really have the relationship that I want us to have until he stands up to her Mm. and I don't know if he's ever gonna do that she's very cruel to you not so much anymore because she can't control me like I haven't been a part of their household since I was 15 when I moved back from Oregon I asked if I could stay there for you know a few weeks until I found an apartment and things like that and 
I was told no, but my stepmom, my mom, who had no room for me, <laughs> let me stay there. And I shared a room with my sister. <laughs> and that's a difference of like, they had the spare room. They had the room for me, but they, mm. they wouldn't let me stay there because of me being a terrible person. Whereas there's nothing I could have done to make my mom tell me I couldn't live in her house. I could have lived there until now. What is your relationship like with your siblings? And how have they come out of all of this? Yeah, so I'm the oldest. Yeah. I have a stepbrother who's my stepmother's son who's two years younger than me. And then they have two sons together. So their experience of their childhood is much different than mine. My dad was like the leader of their like Cub Scout program. My stepmother was like the den mother. We would have meetings in our house for Cub Scouts like every week whereas for my Girl Scouts they chaperoned one trip to the ballet um so we're not we're not close but I see them at holidays and things if I reach out they will come if I say hey I want to have you for dinner they'll try to make that happen but I haven't been doing that and I haven't seen them my brother bought a house in New Hampshire the rest of my family's been there, but I haven't. And when I said something at Christmas, like, I want to come see, he's like, oh, just come anytime. I'm like, you want me to just randomly show up at your house? Like, no, you need to invite me. Like, so mm. I've always been the black sheep, but it's allowed me to escape where they're still in the family system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ignoring all the trauma I'm able to at least see it what about your your other two siblings from your mom how, <sighs> how they handled her her passing neither one of them are in therapy my brother sleeps in her bed he lives there with uh, my mom's dad my sister lives with her boyfriend in his mom's house. I don't know that they are dealing with it in any way. But I've had to release the responsibility, I feel, mm-hmm. towards them to take care of them because it's not my responsibility. I was younger than my sister is now when I was buying her Halloween costumes and trying to take care of her. So yeah, once I tried to move to more of like a 50-50 relationship with her, become much less of a relationship. I've never really had a relationship with my brother. He's done some kind of gross stuff. So do you want to share, I think if you want to, but you shared... Well, first I want to know, how did your dad respond when you told him that you felt like he wasn't there for you when your mom passed? He apologized for being selfish. And that was pretty much it. Like, he attempted to say more, but then he just said selfish again. Like, I'm sorry I was selfish. I'm sorry that. And then, well, yeah, that I was selfish. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But it's always been, I've always known he's wanted to do more. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he would sneak me money, like here's hundred bucks, don't tell your stepmom, kind of thing. But that's like, I don't know if that's more sad that like he feels he has to hide his love for me, and it just feels like I have that like 
moment from when I was 15 like held over my head now and it's like I was just bad it wasn't a reaction to how terrible she was treating me but they're so codependent that I don't know that he's ever going to be able to release himself from yeah yeah so how are you navigating that relationship today because it's like how do you not keep (laughs) setting yourself up to continuously be hurt right because it's like you can try to it's it's that belief that there's something that we can say that's going to get through to them it's going to change them that is just setting us up to be habitually abandoned and really it's it's self-abandonment at that point yeah well I shared how we canceled our lunch plan and that hurt me but then I responded with well are you okay because I said it was a crappy week and I just asked like well are you okay and he didn't even quite understand like that I was asking if he was okay and once I explained he was like wow like thank you that means so much but he didn't like expand on anything but they're having a Super Bowl party this weekend so I think I'm gonna try and go with my boyfriend they have like parties pretty frequently and that's like my opportunity to connect and I think it's important for me to keep showing up mm-hmm. as my better and better self because that's what's going to show them that what they are doing is wrong not that what I'm doing is wrong it might not you know? though you know right but like I can't let it yep that exactly. if there were going to anything that could that's what it's going to be it's not going to be me fighting about it right it's going to be mm-hmm. me just showing up as my best self mm-hmm Mm-hmm. and yeah like I have a lot of friends and people in my life who love me and care about me and support me whereas I look at them and like all they have is each other she doesn't talk to her family she doesn't have a single friend like it really helps me to realize like yeah that I'm not so- the problem yeah yeah exactly exactly what would be another example of growth do you feel like you've had I think it's also just like realizing how toxic I have been in the past and even now like how my thinking patterns devolve into like shame spirals. Uh, I struggle a lot with like binge eating and I would shame myself a lot for that but now I'm like well that's how your body knew how to cope like Mm -hmm. that was one thing that was always there to like regulate you. And it's your job now to find like other ways. And so I've been working on releasing the shame I feel around just like being a person and feeling more like I deserve to have a good life. Yeah. No, you've been doing it, girl. I really, I just see your effort and you really show up very vulnerably. And that's, that's where the healing comes is just yeah when I signed up last August I signed on for a year I was like no like I don't need one month I don't need two I, don't need <laughs> I need at least a year how has your experience been do you feel safe yeah I feel so safe I feel very seen mm. and supported even though it's just like in the meetings like I don't really reach out to anybody like beyond that but for me I think that's where I need to be right now But yeah, in the meetings, it feels like I could say anything. I remember when I first started, and even now, sometimes I'll just like get talking like really fast and I'll be like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing. But then I just remember everybody else feels the exact same fucking way, right? Singing on the podcast. I'm like, well, 
she can do that so I can say a bunch of nonsense (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) Uh, okay give me three things that you like about yourself yeah I am very compassionate I care very deeply about everybody (laughs) I'm a great cook and baker what do you like to cook what's your specialty Ooh, I would say like nachos. Mm. I really cook Mexican food because I hate cilantro. Me so too. I don't, like to, I don't like to go out for Mexican, but I love the flavors. So like I cook it at home a lot. And for Christmas, I baked a bunch of cookies as like gifts for people. And I'm adventurous. I love traveling and seeing new places, going to like art museums and stuff. So what's your favorite vacation you've been on? There's a few. Last year in May, I went with my best friend to meet a friend who lives in Copenhagen. And then we went to Finland, Norway, and Sweden together, all together. And that was a pretty epic trip, even though I sprained my ankle on Mm. the third day of our two-week trip and had to be in a boot. (laughs) It was still really cool. And the year before that, I drove myself down to North Carolina and went on like a solo trip down there. And that was pretty awesome, too. That's awesome. Okay, hope or dream for the future? <sighs> to feel safe about my feelings and my needs. That's beautiful. Well, you're doing, you're doing amazing work. So you're in therapy now, currently? Yep. So I go to weekly, like, talk therapy. I've been thinking about trying to reach out for, like, some other kind of modality. Do you feel um, like she understands the shit? I do. I feel like she is supportive in telling me that stuff is that stuff was not right I don't know that she really has the like trauma training Mm -hmm. to really do those other things to like help Mm -hmm. but the talking is is good because it helps me find those places that are upsetting me and my boyfriend did get me the loving parent guidebook for Christmas so I've been slowly but working on that just to try and meet my my inner people and try and figure out all the the chaos because there's a lot <laughs> no shit well you're doing amazing so Thank so you. so happy to have you I appreciate you and this support group so much like you're all so wonderful and silly and raw and silly that's indeed. what I need <laughs> silly all the time What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.